Yeah, it's that time again, Occam's Razor, episode 38, coming to you from Historical Howick, uh, Monday night, just after 9pm, East FM, 88.1, 107.1. My very special guest this evening, uh, Karen... From Karen Tiffins Williams. <laughs> <laughs> okay, she's just mouthing it. I'm just think. getting all my names. That's in right. There. <laughs> yeah, Karen Tiffins Williams, uh, who's been on the show before, um, as part of uh, Haunted NZ. She came on with Barbara a few episodes back. But tonight we're going to uh, talk about her involvement um, in Wicca. But uh, before we do, give us an update on Haunted NZ. What you guys have been up to and what you've got coming up uh, soonish. Thanks very much, Jim. Yeah. Um, So we have been really busy. We've been out there doing loads of investigations. Obviously, we're in lockdown now, so not too many investigations going on at the moment. But uh, shortly after we spoke last, we had a couple of private investigations down south. Um, So we went down there. South Island or south of Auckland? Oh, sorry. Sorry. South south of Auckland. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Anywhere south of Helensville is south for me. That's right. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, no, we had a couple of private houses down there um, within eight kilometres of each other actually both experiencing paranormal activity so we went down there we uh, we did an investigation at the kentish hotel on the way down and uh, we launched a, a private uh, a public ghost hunt event there that we've got coming up on the 17th of october that, so that sounds pretty awesome tell us about that yeah so uh, yeah, it's a sellout isn't it that's so a, that's a sellout this is all a moot point the advertising well we've got a, we've got a bit of a wait list going on for tickets at the moment so awesome. so i mean still contact us if you're interested we might still be able to fit you in just depends um but that sold out really really quickly so we're going to have a all of haunted new zealand are going to come down there uh we're going to kick off with a um, bit of a, an introduction some history about the kentish hotel some history about um the ghost sightings and experiences that have happened there um we're going to have dinner in the restaurant and then we're going to go back upstairs we're going to give a bit of an introduction to paranormal investigation talk about how you would go about conducting an investigation the kind of equipment that you might use most people have at home some kind of basic equipment that actually would be quite useful for ghost hunting so i'm going to encourage people to bring along anything that they might have that could be useful and then we'll we'll actually go ahead and conduct a ghost hunt on the night but um if you missed out on that one we do have another one coming up that we're about to launch that's going to be held at the lady bowen bed and breakfast in thames and that is going to be on the 14th of november so if you want to get a jump start on that one, you can Absolutely. Go, go on the Haunted New Zealand Facebook page, send us a message. Tim says some creepy looking buildings too, doesn't it? It's got that uh, gold mining history. It and, really has yeah. that amazing kind of gold mine vibe to it as well. There's a really interesting energy about Thames. It's a lovely historical town. And, and because there's been so much opposition to mining in the Coromandel in the past sort of 20, 30 years... Um, the environment's still pretty pristine around there as well and, and very big on preservation. So when you've got old buildings like that, you know, they're not really under threat, you know. Um, you know, and, and they can be restored and used for things like for hotels and B&Bs and that sort of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's really important uh, as part of preserving the, the heritage of this country and the historical buildings is that we... We, we do look to, to keep them in use and to, to keep them as, you know, businesses that can generate income or, and, and for us to do things like organise events to support them as well. So we're mm. generating money at a time that's actually quite difficult for, for places like hotels with, with a lack of tourism at the moment because of COVID. So, What's the max pack set of people you can have inside the, um, the 
coming up, the one upcoming uh, investigation in Waiuku. In Waiuku at the Kentish. So we've got 40 people. 40. We've got 40 tickets for that. How, um, do you, how do you spread them out? Do you give them like 10 people go with one investigator, 10 go with another? How does it work? Yeah, I think that's how, that's what that's what we're looking to do. So yeah. the, the problem is when you've got huge groups of people, it, it, it brings in a higher risk of contamination of evidence so um, when you're using audio recorders and things like that um, they're incredibly sensitive and there'd be a lot of excitable people as well won't there yeah. Like you to hear things that aren't there. And <laughs> oh, absolutely. And, yeah. you know, you can hear people's tummy rumble and then somebody will whisper. And when you've got a group of professional paranormal investigators, we we know how to conduct investigation. We know how to stay silent. We know how to own up to, you know, if your tummy rumbles or, you know, your body yeah. makes a noise that perhaps you didn't really want it to. Yeah. Uh, it's really important that <laughs> we acknowledge all of those yeah. things at the time because otherwise you're trying to debunk somebody's dinner on a on audio right. recording when it was really just, you know, yeah. a bit of steak going down. But just digestion, really. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, I digest. Um, <laughs> now, Wicca, uh, last time you were here we touched on it um, briefly that you were, what's the right word, involved? Yeah. And Wicket. Now, um, I'm going to come in completely blind here. I know that it's a pagan god of witchcraft uh, associated sort of thing, mm-hmm. um, but it is a modern, uh, relatively speaking, in terms of religions, uh, relatively modern uh, creation, sort of around the 1930s, 40s. It was um, sort of came to the fore. Um, and it was by that, it was a fellow called Gerald Gardner who was sort of instrumental in the whole thing, correct? That's right. That's yeah. right. So, um, witchcraft as a tradition, um, particularly in the United Kingdom, obviously where I come from, has been around for well centuries. Yeah. Um, witches were traditionally women within a village. They would be the wise woman of the village. They would be um, a midwife or a healer. They would be somebody who could mix you up a, a herbal concoction if you were feeling poorly, or yeah. somebody that you might go to for some divination or if you needed a love spell or you know that kind of thing um but the the actual craft the witchcraft side of it was generally kept quite hidden because uh, obviously you know there has been <laughs> when did the um just sorry i'm a bit ignorant on the um dates and stuff when did the uh, sort of traditional witch hunts when you hear you know english witch hunts and the uh, pendle hill and all that sort of stuff was was that sort of s- 16, no, it was a bit earlier than 1600s, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, you've, you've really found my weak point. Have I? Right? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was about Cromwell's time because yeah. they had the witch finder general. That's what I was thinking, and, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I'm thinking yeah, of the sort of crucible. Is, and, yeah, it was, a bit, it was a bit before my lifetime, yeah. this time round anyway. <laughs> this time round anyway. <laughs> but you're absolutely right. So in the, in the 1950s, Gerald Gardner in the UK um modernized witchcraft and created what what we now know as Wicca. Um, And he wrote a a very famous book called Witchcraft Today, which um, brought witchcraft again to the fore and, and, and kind of generated a real resurgence of interest in the craft. Where does the word Wicca come from? Thanks for asking me that. You don't know? <laughs> I actually don't know, no. Um, I'm yeah. surmising it might be witch in uh, instead of pig Latin or something, I don't know. It might it might even go be like kind of Chaucerian English mm. or something like that, yeah. Weird. You're right, mm. don't know. Yeah, and I can tell you where pagan comes from. Um, pagan is from the Latin paganus, which means country dweller. Mm-hmm. So A serf, so to speak. A serf, yeah. Mm. Some, Someone who... 
couldn't be bothered going to that particular church and said, bugger that. <laughs> we're doing our own thing now. Well, it's really somebody that's very connected to the land, yeah. um, which obviously really is what um, witchcraft and, and um, pagan traditions are all about, that, that connection to nature and the land, the seasons, crops, all of those kinds of things. So, now, I'm assuming uh, established religions, in particular Christianity, um, look upon Wicca uh, with some, some disdain, um, Perhaps because of its involvement with the occult. Perhaps um, I don't. I don't really. I don't personally consider witchcraft or Wicca to be a religion. I don't look at it as a religion. Um, for me, it is more spirituality rather than religion. So it's more sort of ritual based for you, is it? It is ritual based, mm. very much so. Um, the reason why I personally make that distinction is I was brought up as a Catholic, believe it or not, I was brought up Roman Catholic and it was very important to my mum that, you know, I was introduced to the church at a very young age and I was taken to Sunday school and, um, you know, did my first Holy Communion and uh, I made my confirmation and after which point my mum said to me that it was really my choice whether or not I continued to carry on going to church. So at which point I celebrated enormously and and, um, and stop going to church. <laughs> uh, I have but Catholicism can do that to people. Uh, <laughs> you know, I have absolutely nothing whatsoever against any religion. I think that each person finds the path which works for them. And, and if that happens to be, you know, Christianity in any of its forms, be it Catholicism or whatever, um, whether, you know, you are Muslim, whatever that happens to be, all paths lead to the divine. But it, it just wasn't my path that it, it didn't feel right to me. So, I don't know. I mean, you know, there's battles between different spiritualities or different religions have been going on for thousands of years. What part of it resonated with you, though, that you would you would follow that path as opposed to an organised or a traditional religion? Ooh, that's a really great question. Great. It was too personal. <laughs> no, no, I'm some... really happy to talk about it. And it, it's, it's a great probing question. Um, it, it kind of goes back to the fact that the house that I grew up in was haunted. Sure. Um, so we moved into this house. My parents built the house. We moved into it when I was six. Uh, and I lived there till I was 17. We probably talked about that last time. That, now, that but, was the ghost on the landing, wasn't that's it? That's right. With that's your a, sister. You, you assumed it was your sister, right? That's right. You yeah. have a good memory. I'm mm -hmm. impressed. Uh, so that happened. I'm unemployed now, so I've got nothing else to do but <laughs> listen <laughs> to my own shows. <laughs> but to remember things that people told you before. That's right. So all of these things were going on. You know, we had sightings of all kinds of stuff in the house. My stuff wouldn't stay in the same place. It would move around. And it really opened my eyes to the fact that that there was more to the universe and there was more to this life than I really understood and maybe many of us understood. But but these things seemed to be a part of the world that I was living in and and that for me touched onto, you know, spirituality and religion. And the and my my Catholic upbringing didn't really go very far as to explain all of that. Um, so I became interested in the occult living in that house and I I think I actually I was actually very good academically <laughs> I won an award at my school for doing something amazing um, with my exam results or not, not, not with a Ouija board or anything <laughs> no like it wasn't that. with a Ouija okay. but they gave me a book token and obviously with that book token I didn't go out and buy myself a biology textbook I actually went out and bought myself this amazing little um, divination set and it came with uh, some 
I Ching stuff and a sort of tarot cards and some so dice. I, I Ching sort of the yin and the yang side of things. That's it's, right, yeah. yeah. So you de- generate these hexagrams by, the, well, the best way of doing it is by casting sticks. That's the traditional way of doing it. It takes a long time, but you actually get a much better result if you can be bothered to work through these kind of manipulations of these sticks. I'd be terrible at it because I would I'd just, just give up. <laughs> well, you can throw dice, which gives you kind yeah. of a quick answer, but it's kind of quick and dirty. And it, yeah. to be honest, it's I've always found... I, I, I haven't really, it's not something that I consult on a regular basis. I tend to whip a tarot card out these days. But, you know, back in the day when I was in my teens and I had nothing but free time on my hands, um, yeah, I, I discovered it was actually worthwhile, well, worthwhile doing that. So my interest in the occult kind of started there. My parents had a, an Arthur C. Clarke book kicking around, World of Strange Powers. And was that, that the one with the crystal skull on the front? Yeah. Awesome. I had yeah, that. you had that same. I, I think need, I might still have it. There was two of them you put out. I need to get another copy of that because mm. that was one of my kind of formative books. Before he retreated to Sri Lanka. Is that what he did? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, lived out his days in Sri Lanka. Enjoying his money. Yes, amongst <laughs> other things. <laughs> Oh, you obviously know some stories there, right? No, 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 no. They would, they would be going too far. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, so that, that, that kind of covered all sorts of other really interesting topics. There was things like uh, the stigmata in there and um, Padre Pio and, um, yeah, um, photos of ghosts and stuff that were in that book that yep. that really kind of piqued my interest. And, mm. and it sort of grew from there, really. I think those books piqued a lot of people's interest, didn't they? I think they did. Certainly the 10-year-old me was was hooked from then on. I got hooked on the paranormal. Um, My dad cut out a story out of the New Zealand Herald, I think it was. It might have been the Auckland Star or something in those days. Um, And it was called, I still remember to this day, it was called Scientists on the Trail of Bigfoot. And it would have been about 1987, 6, 5, somewhere around there. Um... And there was a picture of probably of the Patterson-Gimlin film, you know, still or something like that, and a big story about how in North California um, these scientists were out, you know, looking for Bigfoot and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what's, what, you know, what's Bigfoot? Or oh, I, I just, I'd sort of heard of him. Yeah. I'd heard of him, but I didn't, we didn't have the mass media you have now. You, it wasn't at your fingertips. You couldn't just Google it. Do you know what I mean? The different access we have to information. <laughs> it's, it's just amazing, eh? It's just amazing. <laughs> I was trying to find something out the other day and it's like, oh, it's so easy. You know, I just go and look it up. I remember back in the day, how mm. do you find these things out? I mean, you've got to go to a library and maybe they have something or maybe they don't, but yeah. What part of the, or what about the dark arts, for lack of a better term, um, you know, uh, they talk about, you know, horn. When I think of it, I think of horn goat gods and all this sort of carry on and, and offerings. Um, did you, you know, was, did that, as I said earlier, did that resonate with you? Um, that sort of the pageantry of it or the, the mystery or the, you know, the, the characters involved, for lack of a better term? Um, what part of it sort of got you, you know, got your engine revving, so to speak? <laughs> Gosh, wow. Was it the fact you'd seen ghosts? Because you, obviously this, you're moving from ghosts to sort of demonic sort of entities, aren't you? Not really demonic, no. I mean, um, the, the demonic side of things is is not really a, a kind of a central tenet of, of witchcraft. Mm. Um, it's much more occultism. But or, people think it is, don't um, they? They, get, they cloud the yeah, two, don't they? No, they're really, yeah. they're really not particularly... I mean, you can kind of go down that track if you want to but that's more um goetic magic or ceremonial magic yeah. um more kind of yeah 
um, invocation of demonic entities really is quite peripheral to, to what Wicca focuses on. The nice thing about witchcraft is, as I said, there's no dogma. You're not told what to believe. You're not told which gods to follow. You choose your own path. So if you want to work with a particular set of gods, if you feel particular affinity with the Egyptian gods, you can work for th with them if you want to. Or, you know, maybe you prefer the Roman pantheon or maybe you prefer the Greek pantheon of gods. So depending on really what resonates for you, mm. you can choose for yourself or you can mix and match. Are, are these ceremonies that you would undertake, um, are they similar to someone doing... Well, in the same way as someone would do their prayers, um, or are you sort of casting spells for specific reasons, or are you doing a ritual or leaving offerings, or how does that all work? All, all of those things. All, all of those, those things. things. And and actually, when I first started with witchcraft, when I when I found uh, high priest and high priestess who were willing to to take me on as part of their coven and to train me. Um, they they told me then that actually my Catholic my Catholicism, my Catholic background prepared me incredibly well for witchcraft because it's an incredibly ritual-based tradition mm. uh, and there, there is a lot of set ritual so while there's no dogma there are if, if you're going to do a ritual there's a very specific set of things that you would do beforehand in terms of cleansing the space clearing the energies um casting a circle calling in the elements, calling in deities, and, and those things are... But you call in your own deities, or it's yes. individual to each sort of it would be, person, right? Yeah, be in, yes, or if you were working with a coven, you would have discussed beforehand what the purpose was of your circle casting or your, or your work. So would your coven um, have a, you know, same end goal? Would they have the... Would you be casting this, you know, to the same deities and things like that? Oh, absolutely. If you're doing the yeah. group, group work, that's what I mean. There has, to, on the yeah, same page. there has to be absolute okay. unity with that. Yeah. And, and that's the thing with, with spell work. You know, that it has to be, you know, everybody has to be on board. You all have to be incredibly clear on what you're doing. You also have to, you know, if, if there are words, if you're asking for something or asking to stop something, you have to be incredibly specific about what you want. So, say, for example, Let's go for the really obvious one. Let's say you were working a money spell for somebody. Mm -hmm. It would be no... Can you do one of those for me now? Of course I can. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there would be no point in me kind of casting a circle, calling in the gods, doing a, you know, a spell or creating something or doing candle magic or whatever I did and just saying loosely... I'd like Jim to have loads of money yeah. because maybe you might have a lottery win or maybe you might pick up a really well-paid job, but maybe you might get an inheritance. And obviously, you know, mm. while it's great to have the money, you know, nobody wants to lose a loved one. So you have to be really specific what you ask for because in my experience, the gods have an incredible sense of humour and will find all kinds of imaginative ways to fulfil the brief in the and, most inventive ways possible. <laughs> is that right? Um, and are you an agent kind of for yourself? Do you just do it, um, you know, to self-satisfy uh, or for people you're close to or anything like that? Or do you... Are you a consultant? Do people come to you and say, can you do a spell for me? Yeah, they do. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, I mean, once you, once you kind of start following that track, even if you don't really advertise it very much... People will find you. Mm. Um, and, the same and, as psychics, isn't it? They, it's a lot of word of mouth. But I you think know. so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, you, you know, you get people contacting. It. Obviously, you know, there's the house house mm. clearing. Sorry, I'm whacking your mic right. there. Um, house clearings, uh, which, which obviously is part of it. But you know, yeah, people will phone up or, or you know message me, and mm. they want you know, can you read my cards or can you tell me what you think about this or 
can you do me a spell? And yeah, so it's more fun doing it for other people. It's more fun. Does what you practice, does that integrate uh, with other sort of things like tarot? You mentioned cards. Mm-hmm. Is it the same sort of thing? Or? Yep. Yep. So, or do you have your own set? If you know what I mean, does is there Wiccan cards and there's tarot cards, or is it all they're they're, they're in the same realm? All the all the same, all the same stuff. Okay. So there's a, like a million different designs for tarot decks out there, and and yeah. divination can take many forms. Tarot cards, just one aspect of that. I mean, you could read tea leaves, or you know, you could. Um, I don't know, you know, crystal ball gaze or gaze into a bowl of water. And there's lots of different ways of, of divining the future or, or divining events. Um, tarot cards, just one aspect of that. And, and people tend to gravitate towards something that works well for them. Usually you find you have a particular affinity with one design of deck more than another. So mm. so you, you kind of, you probably buy a few decks before you figure out what works for you. But... <laughs> Um, now, how often are you doing um, rituals as part of a coven? You have to join a coven and stay with the coven, um, or can you sort of branch out and then come together at one point and do your rituals? How does that work? Does that make sense? First of all, yeah. <laughs> I'm just yeah. wondering if you know, it's a team. You go around in a minivan around the place doing your stuff, or is it? Do you meet once a year at, at the winter solstice, or? So, do you know what I mean? How yeah, so there are uh, so within Wicca, um, you could you could um, a Wiccan is 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 typically not a solitary witch, but um, within New Zealand there are very few actual Wiccans, actual you know Gardnerian or Alexandrian Wiccans. We're we're a rare breed. <laughs> sure, you were actually talking about um, was it a bloodline or just a direct sort of not a bloodline? What's the word I'm it looking for? It was effectively a bloodline. Effectively, yeah, I see what you're saying. It's though. like a. Um, like an ancestry. To this fellow gardener, correct? That's right. So yeah. um, what, what makes me Wiccan is that I was initiated by a high priest. So um, it, it's always the situation that a woman is initiated by a man and a man is initiated by a woman. Um, so as a woman, I was initiated by the high priest of the coven. Um, and then so you can, you can trace that line of initiation all the way back to... Um, to Gerald Gardner for me. So I have a direct line of initiation back to Gerald Gardner. Okay. And that was dating back to the, so the 40s or so, was it? Or 50, 50s? 50s, I think, yeah, 40s, 50s, yeah. Interesting. When did, did he live sort of much past the 50s or? I knew you were going to ask me. Oh, you don't know that either? <laughs> <laughs> I, I live it and I practice it. That's I don't right. study it. That's right. <laughs> I always do so, a, I always do a heavy edict on. No, that's okay. You are you're yeah. asking me about the, the meeting. So there are there are eight sabbats a year. So sabbats are kind of celebrations. Sabbats. Uh, sabbats. Sabbats. Yeah. Okay. So you have the um the, the solstice solstices and the equinoxes. Yeah. And then you have four what they call cross quarter festivals in there as well. So you have Sarwain, which in England would coincide with Halloween. Over here it is kind of a strange celebration that floats at a very peculiar time of year because obviously the seasons are reversed in this sure, country, which I see. throws everything yeah. beautifully out of the way. Um, you have Lamas, which is um, loaf mass. So that's like a harvest festival. It's celebrated with bread. Um, you have... Uh, They've given all of the equinoxes and solstices funny names, so I don't want to pop one of those out for you by accident. Lamas, Beltane, which is like a, a, a spring, like May Day, 1st of May traditionally okay, in the sure. UK. So, yeah. So you, you would kind of gather around those. Um, Some sort of Wiccan bank holidays, so yeah, to speak. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So mm. um, Gerald Gardner kind of put 
that together with his coven and uh so they've got all the equinoxes and solstices and what's the significance yeah. of the solstice mm -hmm. to um obviously the ancient druids you know they told the time by it or whatever they did i don't know time to put it in the spuds into the ground uh what significance is it to um working well, it, it, I mean, it, literally, as you say, you know, it, it relates to to the sun and the position of the sun and the length of the days. Yep. So, and that's incredibly important when it comes to the land and harvests and planting and growing. And um, you know, we are very connected to the seasons. You know, as a as a witch, um, you know, yes, we are all running around in the dark. You know, casting spells and and doing all that kind of fun stuff. But it's very much about having a, a connectedness. Yep. I said, I said a word, connectedness to the land, and 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 much like and, Maori and, do with sort of their whenua, I mean, tangata whenua, yeah, kind of a connection. Yeah, being outside, observing mm. nature, noticing what's going on around you, noticing that at the moment, you know, there's an oak tree outside my house. The leaves are starting to come out on it. The lambs have been in my field for a few weeks now. I've seen um, snowdrops and daffodils already. You know, a few weeks ago. So noticing all those things, noticing that. Now the birds are singing a different song than they were singing a few weeks ago. They're, they seem to be mm. singing a song of spring and, and positivity and enjoyment and, you know, flirtation, I suppose. Well, it's getting near that time, isn't <laughs> it? It is, absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, as you're, as you're out there in nature, you're kind of connecting with that and connecting with those energies. And that's really what witchcraft is about. It's, it's connecting with the energies of nature and then learning how to manipulate them to create magic. Mm. And do you have to conduct uh, the rituals sort of away from the public glare? Do you do them traditional, you know, in the forests and things like that and dark caves in the middle of nowhere? Can and do. Can do, but don't. Can do. Ten, tend not to. There's no central heating, right? No, it's kind of a bit cold. Yeah. <laughs> Some traditions also work naked as well. So, oh, okay. you know, you, so do, that, you do have that public nudity. And you prefer it was in summer then, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For yeah. a man, anyway. <laughs> Somewhere to hang your cloak. That's right. <laughs> but, uh, no, I mean, usually we work indoors and, mm. you know, in, in the, the comfort of your own home. I just had something pop into my mind. I was watching a uh, one of those shows on Discovery Channel the other day and it had, uh, and I think it was that paranormal show, uh, Caught on Camera or something. Oh, that yes, yes. Magazine style one. It's on TV in New Zealand. Did you see it a few weeks back where uh, those guys were doing a drone over that field in Britain? Yes, I did. And, oh, and that gosh. sort of which? What, you, what was what was <laughs> oh, happening no. there? For those who uh, didn't don't know what I'm talking about, it was uh, a couple of guys caught what they thought was a ghost or a witch or something like that on a on drone footage um, coming out of. She was sort of coming out of a forest in somewhere in Britain. I'm not sure exactly where. Oh, no. Um, that was. Uh, You're not taking it seriously, mm, are you? I, that I, one, honestly. I think it's a really great show. It, yeah. Paranormal caught on camera, as you said, it's a really good show, and they have some great videos on there. But what frustrates me about that particular show is they never debunk any of the videos. So I've seen them show videos on of um, some of Elon Musk's satellite launches, yeah. where they've been like really big, kind of spooky, beautiful trails left in the sky. And they sit there and talk about how weird it is and, you know, what, what it could possibly be and is it aliens. And, but they know, or mm. we know, people know, other people know, even if those people and who originally saw it didn't know. We know what that is now. So mm. why don't they, they on the show, it. the producers say, this is the reason for the, but yeah, the, the video that you're talking about, mm. they captured an image of a video of a woman who looked exactly like the 
kind of dark haired, yes, white dressed, lank haired character from like The Ring or any horror yeah, movie yeah. really these days. It was a bit cliche, wasn't it? Was it? In, yeah, mm. I mean, to be honest, I think it was probably just something that they all got together and produced for a bit of a hoot. A bit of a hoot, yeah. yeah. I love the uh, inverted commas experts they have on those shows. I mean, quite often they <laughs> hold, you know, they're a marine biologist or, you know, uh, some sort of um, IT expert or film um, dissection expert or something like that. Um, but they tend to they'll add a comment which has no relevance to anything. Have you noticed that? Like, <laughs> you know, they'll get a guy who's, um, a, as I said, a marine biologist commenting on UFOs, and then he'll say, <laughs> now the thing with this is the UFO was seen flying and then it disappeared. How did that happen? You know, and, you, and you're left with that. And that's it. You know what I mean? Thanks for that insightful comment. Yeah, we, we all learned a lot. And because there's no definitive evidence, um, then you sort of, as you say, you just get left sort of hanging, don't you? Which, I mean, which is the case with a lot mm. of these unexplained things. It's the, you know, it's the same with evidence that we capture with, with Haunted New Zealand. You know, yeah. you can't, we can't, you know, go out there and say, this is definitely paranormal, unless you're having like a real Ghostbusters, mm. full-bodied apparition experience, or you've got... Your, your fan base is pretty, uh, pretty... Nice to you guys, though, aren't they, from what I see? I don't see that a lot of sort of, or have you removed all the troll comments coming in and stuff? No, no, I mean... It seems to be pretty well respected. I was looking through it the other week and it was, um, you know, all the comments are constructive, you know, there's no um, people baiting each other over things and no sort of troll uh, kind of cynic sceptic coming in and just throwing their, their uh, weight around, so to speak, just to just to stir the pot, which no, is good. It's refreshing, isn't it? You know, that's okay. We don't mind differences of opinion. Mm. You know, if we throw a, a video or a photo or a bit of audio or whatever out there and say, you know, what do you think of this? Yeah. We are inviting opinion. And if your opinion is that's a piece of cat hair or, you know, that's, I don't know, one of the team whispering or whatever it happens to be, then fine. You know, that that's your opinion. Your opinion's valid. Um, and with things like this, that's really all you have. You only have opinion. Sometimes somebody's opinion might be factually incorrect or we might be able to prove that what they're saying isn't the case. But other than that, you know, we're, we're happy for people to, to have their say and, you know, we all have our own thoughts on these things mm. and explanations as to what stuff could you be. Can, so. You can always tell the true believer, true believers from people sitting on the fence. So some people literally just believe anything. Like I saw the... Uh, is it Ghosts of London that popped up on Facebook the other day, which I understand amongst the ghost hunting community is um, not that well revered. But <laughs> however, it's quite a popular site anyway on Facebook, I think, Ghosts of London. Um, they put up some interesting stuff, whether it's r real or not. I don't know what it, what's real. Who knows? Uh, sorry, where was I going with that story? Ghosts of, Ghosts of London, you saw, they, they put something up. Yeah, yeah, that's where I was going with that story. <laughs> they put up... Um, I'm just seeing if you'd, you'd seen the picture they put up this week. I might. Can you remind me what it is? Because I did see a post from them this week. And it, uh, it's it's your classic small child kind of in the background. Uh, to me, it looks like a smirch on the camera or some sort of yellow yellowing or discoloration. Or oh, it wasn't the one of something that looked like an alien that was standing in front of a forest, was it? That was somebody's <gasps> granddad. I and think it, I did see that, that one. <laughs> I've seen that one a, a few times this week, and their father or grandfather took the photo, but it's only just been developed. And yeah, it's always just yeah, been developed. I took it three or four years ago. Yeah. <laughs> that usually happens. And here's it? this strange thing that looks like an alien. No, I was talking about sort of a, a sort of a small boy, sort of five or six years old, and this 
there's faces on there. And as I said, it's kind of ye- yellowing and, and you can't really make out what's going uh. on. But but some people are just true believers. And, and a woman, like, commented, like, yes, that's him. He's looking for his parents. You oh, know? man. And yeah. just some people just comment <laughs> that, you know. It's hard. It is hard because on the one hand, you don't want to crush other people you know mm. I, I i always feel you know you need to be respectful of other people's feelings mm. around these things um in fact i saw a post earlier today on a different paranormal group somebody had shared some photos that they'd taken and there was some green lens flare on it yeah and they were saying oh you know i really feel this is the spirit of my i can't remember what it was you know very close deceased relative that they'd lost and you know really felt his presence and we feel that this was and, and i just you know I, it, it took everything for me to just sit on my hands and not post. You know, I, I think that you took this with a, a mobile phone and possibly an iPhone and this green dot is actually a really common lens flare phenomenon. And mm. it's not, the you know, your, your deceased, I don't know, cousin or whatever. Um, and, then, and, and I thought, well, you know, I could go in there and I could correct that person. And technically I would be right. But you'd be crushing their dreams, right? I wouldn't be morally right in doing (laughs) that, would I? And it's better, sometimes it's better not to say anything than to be unnecessarily cruel about something. And sometimes, yeah. Mm. You know, that was important for her in that situation. And if that's what she chooses to believe, then I think that there's really no harm in that. As you say, though, I mean, people do sometimes just always jump to the paranormal. Some people just absorb it straight up, though, don't they? Mm. I mean, obviously they're looking at a cycle ghosts or whatever so they're expecting to see things yeah um but just the way they lap it up you know where there's no um critical thinking done at all no nothing no objective look at it um it's just straight to it isn't it if you want to believe you want to believe right yeah i mean i i consider myself a believer but i like to think that i approach everything with a you know a fairly pragmatic pragmatic attitude and a and a and a slightly scientific mindset as well and try and look for the the logical rational scientific explanations of what something might be before leaping to to conclusions but that's interesting that's interesting you went down that path um as a i assume sort of young adult after seeing paranormal stuff as a child it's like were you sort of um seeking to learn you know about and solve what you'd seen or my interest in science Mm. Gosh. I maybe it was subconscious. Maybe, you know? maybe. Well, maybe it was kind of that connection to nature as well because, mm. I mean, I, di- I did A-levels when I was 18 in physics, chemistry and biology and then went on and studied biology at Oxford. It's just a, <laughs> Exactly. It's a strange mix. Someone who studied yeah. biology at Oxford um, who also do, does what you do. I suppose it is a strange mix, but mm. I think that as a scientist, you're curious. Mm. Um you are curious and you you want to know how things work and why they work and what makes them work. And for me, the paranormal is still normal. Yeah. Um, it, we just don't have a, a scientific explanation for it. You know, science is just a bit behind on, on, on figuring all these things out. Maybe, maybe as human beings, we're actually not capable of figuring them out. Though I think actually our minds are really quite puny <laughs> compared to the mysteries of the universe and what actually might be out there mm. um our eyes can only see a tiny amount of you know visible light mm. you know, visible what we consider visible light other animals can see a much wider spectrum of frequencies we can only hear a teeny range of frequencies um it'd be cool to have dog ears wouldn't it 
I don't know. I don't know. Because all the police would have to do, they wouldn't have, have guns <laughs> or anything. They just have their dog whistles out. Did you Did you see the video that was on Facebook the other day? No. I, I, need, I actually need to upload it onto the... Is haunted, that what happened, was it? There, there, was a, there was a brilliant post. I, I need to put it onto Haunted New Zealand um, for this very reason. And it, it, was the, it, it was done as a video, but, but the purpose of it was the audio that was attached to it. And it was talking about the fact that they've discovered that in public areas they can keep away young people by playing these hideously mm. high-frequency sounds that older people just can't hear. It. <laughs> they reckon if you're over 20, you just can't hear it. So anyway, this thing pops up on my newsfeed on my phone and I start playing this video and I'm listening to it. And, um, and my six-year-old starts absolutely freaking out, like, stop it, stop it, turn it off. And it's awful. And I'm like, can you hear was that? Was that via just a YouTube video or something? Yeah, it was it? Just, a, just a Facebook video. Yeah. And um, and no, none of us could hear it. Uh, but the, both my kids, even the one that was 15, crazy, yeah. it just sounded appalling. It sounded apparently like um, like TV static, mm. intermittently though, but really high-pitched. And But it just goes to show, you know, we can't hear everything. So if, if we can't see everything, if we can't hear anything, how much stuff is out there that, our bodies just aren't even capable of detecting. Just um, as you brought up sort of this in the ear question, <laughs> um, yeah. these hums that people hear around the world, because um, yeah. there's an Auckland hum. Um, for those listening, we're in Auckland, New Zealand, and there's always been a hum in Auckland. My mum can hear it. Um, some people I've spoken to can hear it. Not everyone can hear it. Probably about two out of ten people. That's, that's me doing an unscientific kind of poll. <laughs> um, I first heard it about 20 years ago. Not heard it, heard about it. Um, and some people just get this um, low-frequency hum pitch in their ear um, all the time. Really? Yeah, so it's like a constant? Well, I think it becomes like white noise to them after a while. They, right. don't, they don't hear it. But like I've got an artificial heart valve, Ooh. for instance, and when it's quiet, you can hear it ticking quite loudly. Oh, that's cool. I personally don't really notice it until someone mentions it, and I think it's kind of the same phenomenon. I'm not convinced the hum is some sort of um, alien uh fracking sort of experiment or anything as a lot of people do oh. um, but there is some strange stuff going on definitely but uh, you know i mean that, that i think it would probably seismic I seismic mean, yeah, yeah it's yeah it's an inner ear problem isn't it of some I kind i don't know if it's seismic isn't really particularly inner ear like a geological no, but like the rumbling of... you know what i mean some ears yeah. can pick it up yeah maybe maybe but yes, perhaps if it was just limited to who can mm. hear those particular frequencies, like um, the you know there's those low noises that elephants make to communicate over ridiculous distances. Mm -hmm. um, interesting though, talking about low frequency sounds, low frequency sounds can give you the um, impression of paranormal activity happening. Mm. It's talking about infrasound yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, which is quite interesting. They they reckon that happens in the tubes in London a lot. Um, because of the depth, okay. and there's really high levels of it down there. Um, and every time they do a show or every time a video of a ghost comes out on the underground, um, they trot out the same sort of story about infrasound. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's if you look at where you are, obviously you're subterranean and you're surrounded by tunnels and there's trains wishing past at, you know, whatever <laughs> speed. There's plenty of opportunity for um, sort of strange things to get stirred up, right? Definitely. I've, I've heard it used as an explanation for the um, the caves or the tunnels under Edinburgh as well because there's yep. quite a lot of sort of paranormal activity reported. I'm still kicking well. myself. I've never been. I've been to Edinburgh, but I went there for a rugby game 
and I went to uh, Greyfriars Kirkyard, um, which mm-hmm. have you been there? No. It's basically the um, it's a it's a plague graveyard in the middle of Edinburgh, um, <laughs> and it's really old and it's haunted AF as the kids say, <laughs> um, and they do nightly tours and that sort of stuff. But I have heard recently as well that the person who alleged that they were scratched by this sort of ex lawman who's supposed to be pretty nasty, sort of from a couple hundred years ago, uh, that the whole thing's a fake. Um, fake or not, it's probably the creepiest place I've ever been really? in my life. Oh, yep. wow, okay. Um, they have, um, because it's a plague graveyard, you know, they have the skull and bones everywhere, which obviously adds to the atmosphere, but it's it's freaky. And it's got the crows and it's, you know, it's surrounded by the sort of city walls and it's, yeah. I, fabulous. <laughs> it's fabulous, isn't it? It's near the castle and all that. It's right downtown. But anyway, I didn't go in the tunnels um, and I'm still kicking mm. myself for that. But then again, would it have been a bit claustrophobic? Because I've heard that as well. And I'll be like, oh, I'm out of here. I didn't feel claustrophobic in there. You didn't? No, I was okay. I was okay in there. Um, yeah. It was pretty cool. Yeah, we had a. I, I was there with my, my my best friend, and I used to go there every year for Hogmanay, just because yep. the Scots really know how to throw a good party they on New Year's Eve. So we used to just trek out there um, for a few days every every year, and um, we went round the castle. And she actually had a, a ghostly experience in the castle. So there's, I think there's a bit where the crown jewels are, the Scottish crown jewels, and yep. they, they talk about you know, the most haunted part of the castle. Um, and uh, obviously, nothing happened there, <laughs> but there was this. Um, it was almost like a, a, a hall or a uh, some kind of room that they just had a like exhibition panels up in there with information on them, and you could just kind of walk around reading these panels. And there's nobody in there. There was just us wandering around reading these things. And then my friend came up to me and she said, "Did you just play a trick on me?" <laughs> What are you talking about? So somebody pulled on her coat. So and she said it was really low down as well, like it was a child tugging on her coat. But when we spoke to one of the security guards that were sitting near the crown jewels, told them what had happened. Apparently, it happens quite a lot around that area. So, Is that right? Yeah, it's quite groovy. It, it's probably the most haunted place I've ever been. Um, that or Edinburgh in general, it's crazy, mm, eh? It is. It's, it's, mm. it's, a, it's a great city. It's a lovely vibe and, and mm. quite spooky there. Very I spooky, like especially when the sort of um, you know there's a bit of bad weather rolls in over that big sort of what's that mountain sort of in the distance and well, it's not a mountain. It's a big hill, isn't it? Um, was it Scotland's full of Scotland? Big hill? <laughs> it's, all, it's all big. Hill. No, I'm sure it's got a name like like Cragenmoor or something. Like that. I, don't, I don't know. I'm just, I'd be speculating. A wee bree. Exactly. It's a, it's a spooky looking giant. Let's be fair. It is. Um, I had a strange experience at Edinburgh Castle. Um, well, not as strange as you. Probably not. You know, nothing tugging on my coattails, but. Um, they have a book open, um, I think, in a chapel, and I just went in with my mate and we are just looking around, and um, uh, it was so uh, the war dead. So basically we just have a you know British serviceman, blah, 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 and I went, went in, and the open page was a guy with the same name as me. It was oh. like top of the list, and it was the first thing I looked at. <laughs> that is strange. Which is pretty weird, <laughs> eh? Yeah, it's yeah. not like you've got a really common name. No, nah, but, you know, Scotland cool. and all that, it's all sort of. Is it a com- what, your surname? Uh, Lancashire, yeah, around there. Yeah. yeah it's so. quite a coincidence, though, isn't it? It is, though, isn't it? Yeah, a bit it's freaky. Interesting. I like that. Yeah. That's a good story. <laughs> a little bit freaky. <laughs> I never gave it too much credence until now. Oh. Um, when sort of after you tell, told your story. But yeah. I'd really like to go back to Edinburgh anyway. Um, if uh, COVID ever goes away, I can add it to my uh, list on the Occam's Razor World Tour or European oh, yeah. Tour. 
European vacation. Sounds good. Sounds awesome, eh? Ghost tour of the world. Yeah, I'll, I'm not the hugest ghost guy. I mean, I'm not as much as you guys, obviously. Um, but I want to sort of go to all the paranormal sites and, um, yeah, the sites where things happen. Even cool things like sort of Arthurian stuff and, you know, Tintagel mm. and, um, you know, Robin Hood and all this sort of stuff. You know, these even missing legends and stuff. I want to incorporate all that into the – probably into an Occam's Razor book. So. Wow. Yeah, Stand by for that. When I can get out of New Zealand, that is, which <laughs> who, who knows when that'll be. Well, you can probably get out just fine. I think it's getting back in. <laughs> it's getting back in. I do have a British passport as well oh, wow. uh, as a New Zealand one So because my dad was born there, right? So I got one by default, uh, so which helps. Oh, well done. I let mine expire. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah, it's just couldn't be bothered maintaining two passports. Couldn't be bothered. <laughs> Um, while we're talking uh, paranormal, I see that Alistair Crowley had some involvement uh, in working at sort of nice. Yeah. Sounds about right. I don't know yeah. the, to the extent of his involvement, but I think that's perhaps where the press picked up their um, negative perception of the of the whole thing. Mate, yeah, Crowley was a bit of a character. Mm. Um, he was an incredibly accomplished magician yeah. um, and, and, and did some amazing things. Um but, yeah, definitely it would be fair to say that he divides opinion. <laughs> yeah. He's a bit like, uh, I don't know, you, well, you, I was going to talk about Marmite, but uh, you call it something different over here. English Marmite, it, they yep. used to say you either love it or hate it. Um, and, and I think Crowley is a bit like that. People tend to have very strong opinions one way or the other on Crowley. But, yeah, I mean, his influences are certainly found in Wicca. Um, there are certain um, written works of um, poetry and prose which were involved in some of the ceremonies that were borrowed quite heavily from from some of his stuff. Yeah. Um, in fact, we use... Um, so he put his own touch to it, yeah, to his rituals and that sort of well, stuff. Well, I think Gerald Gardner wasn't opposed to borrowing freely from other I traditions okay. uh, with which he had had experience. So there's, there's kind of a little bit of... Um, I mean, in, in places it even touches on Freemasonry. Some of the the Masonic ritual is incredibly similar to Wiccan ritual, particularly um, initiatory ritual. Mm. Um, so it's quite interesting to see those influences. Um, does does Wiccan still retain that um, mystery, though, or has it sort of become more and more transparent, much like like the Masons have? I think it does. I think it does. Mm. It does retain mystery. Um, I mean, not all witches are out of the, the broom cupboard. Um, yeah. Some of them are, are still kind of in the closet, so to speak. Um, for me, just because of what I do, particularly with Haunted New Zealand, it, it's kind of fairly imperative that I talk about my experience yeah, and, yeah. and how it is that I can do what I do. My, It's almost um, my... Uh, my, my training, I guess, if you like, you know, my qualifications mm. right, um, that, that's allowed me to do this. So so I don't really have that luxury of, you know, hiding and, and keeping it to myself. Um, but, you know, that's, that's very much a, a personal decision. Um, but in terms of the, uh, the stuff that you can read about, you know, obviously there are lots of published rituals, but there are certain things within the craft that are still... Uh, oath bound um, and are secrets which are only open to initiates. Interesting. So it's not all public. So, how accurate was the movie The Craft? That's such a great film. Yeah. I love that movie. It's it's fabulous. My goodness. Uh, yeah, no, I love that. Uh, Feruzia Bolk absolutely mm. 
that is just her vessel, that movie. She makes that film. It wouldn't be the same without her no. in it. Yeah, she's no. got unusual she's, features, but very watchable, right? Oh, she's great. Mm. She's fantastic. She brings such a passion to that particular role. I think it would be a little bit um, bland without her in it. And she mm. does such a good job of representing that kind of dark nature of how power can, you know, really appeal to your ego and, and, and take off and, and become too much. And then it controls you rather than you control it. Uh, and that is actually a real risk within the craft, is ego, right? yeah, absolutely. That's um, uh, something to watch out Becoming for. too powerful. Yeah, absolutely. You know, power, power is uh, power corrupts, it's a very right? addictive drug. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and yes, I mean, as with, as with anything within the paranormal field and also within the craft, you have yeah. to look out for people's egos and... Yeah, just watch that. And, and watch it within yourself as well. And that's also part of the craft. It's it's um, it's learning about who you are, even your shadow side, as we would call it. So the, the, the darker elements of your own personality, perhaps the bits of which you're not so proud, but which very much form part of your, your character and your psyche, who you are. You really need to be comfortable with all of that. And and to try and develop balance within yourself as well of, of all of those things. And, it's important. You said earlier um, most Wiccan don't follow a particular, well, they don't all follow the same deity or a particular uh, doctrine or, you know, the good book, so to speak. Um, what about, what, what do you attribute sort of the um, explosive growth in the, in the religion to, um, first of all? And secondly, with all these new recruits, because I've, what I've read is there's about 800,000 to a million people involved in Wicker now and but it's grown exponentially over the past five years so a what do you put this down to and b are these people coming across from <laughs> different religions are they dissatisfied what's bringing them across is it a fad that's really, i don't think it's a fad i think hollywood um you know that the it's romanticized it is romanticized it? Yeah. uh and it, and it is it does um it is portrayed as being very glamorous and sexy and a little bit dark and dangerous and and i think for some people that makes it appealing the and whole sex magic thing right yeah mm. yeah absolutely um but also you know which is being portrayed as powerful mysterious confident beautiful women um obviously men can be witches as well it isn't an exclusively female thing but i think i think people do find that intriguing that that they can have more control over their own life um by by following this path and learn and, and and learning and if that's what brings people into it then you know I, I don't personally have a problem with that i think that's okay mm. um it's interesting that you were talking about this kind of over the last five years it made me think of uh, our friend donald trump uh, i've been involved with a a group in america who have been doing a binding spell on him for the last You've got to tell us about that, oh, the binding so, uh, spell. Binding spell. So it's, it's, you won't get visited by the Secret Service, will you? Oh, I don't know. For doing a binding spell? I don't think so. You should do a hair spell on him as well. <laughs> Teach him how to cut it. That That's would right. be nice. Oh, an anti-orange spell. No, so uh, it's the magic resistance. So if you looked up hashtag magic resistance on pretty much any social media platform, you'd probably find something to do with it or look up bind Trump on Facebook. We're on Facebook. So it's been going since... 2016 when he was first elected uh and you've yeah. had it in from for a while yeah now, yeah we've been we've it. been casting spells on that man for a long time <laughs> uh, it's really just designed to prevent him and anybody else associated with him from doing harm because he is 
doing harm in so many different regards. You know, he's harming the environment, he's harming people. And, you know, that's, you know, kind of pretty much antithetical. So it's kind of a Hicks in a way, isn't it? Um, binding isn't really a hex. Binding is trying to um, is trying to prevent harm. So it really is just they do a binding actually in the craft. I bind you from doing harm to yourself and harm to other people. Um, that's pretty much how it goes. Hexing is is kind of a step further. I mean, you go ahead and hex Donald if you like. Um, and, and actually, we do have some written spells on how you can go about doing that too. If you, if you really have it in for it. <laughs> I'm sure we can post those for those. Uh, those interested? Absolutely. We'll give you the link to the uh, the bind. Now, I don't want you just to be picking on Donald. Have you hex? Sorry, is the wrong word. Have you binded anyone else before? Uh, wow. A state no. figure of, of kind, you know. Oh, well, I'm, uh, like Mel Gibson or someone <laughs> is what I'm getting at. <laughs> I was never really a particularly political animal before no. uh, before Donald came along, um, and now I have a bizarre interest in American politics. Um, uh, no, not no, not really public figures. No. no. Okay, so it'd be, it'd be good advice to stay out of your way if and if you don't want to be. Yeah, never. is it bound? Is that the plural? Ne- uh, yeah, yeah. Bi- I'm binding is is binding. the least of what I could do. To <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Uh, no, they say that uh, I'm in order, shifting in, uh, uncomfortably now. In order, in order to, in order to heal, in order to cure, um, you must also be able to curse, and it and it's the same. It's just, it's the same thing. You're, you know, it's the difference between throwing energy with the intent to have a, a good and favourable outcome for somebody or throwing energy with the intent to have a negative or, or poor outcome for somebody. So mm. same same thing, just different intent. You can't learn to do one without being able to do the other. If one was to read the uh, Book of Shadows, mm-hmm. uh, what would one gain from it? Because I was interested in doing some research. I just didn't have time today and, and also there's... You know, if I ordered the book, I wouldn't get here for a month. Well, I mean, there are published books of shadows. So, book mm. of shadows is is literally book of secrets. Yeah. Um, so, shadow being hidden, yeah. um, and so you could buy uh, ten different versions of a okay. book of shadows on the internet. It would just probably be just different spell books, just really. interpretation, or different interpretations. Yeah, absolutely. But the, the genesis of it would still be. Um, uh, Jero, oh, sorry, what was the fellow? Gardner, Gardner, yeah. No, not necessarily. I mean, no. each witch has their own book of shadows in which they write their own work. Okay, spells, I understand. The ritual yeah. and way of doing yeah. things. So, if you were to read mine, um, over oh, my cold dead body, <laughs> if you were to read mine, um, you would learn about the way that I do things and my coven does things. You wouldn't necessarily learn anything about any other witch particularly, um, because we all subscribe to different things. So there's a one of the things that you haven't asked me about that I thought you might was um, the threefold law. Yeah. So there is something called the threefold law, and everybody says, oh, you can't curse because, you know, there's the threefold law. It will come back at you times three. Um, well, that's not the way that I was taught, <laughs> and my coven doesn't subscribe to the threefold law. We don't, you know, we, we don't believe that. Um Sure, it's true if you end up with a witch war with somebody, so where you've got, you know, two covens firing stuff back and forth at each other. Um, Can you do spells by sort of hashtag? 
That's a really interesting question. Um, well, you spoke about the Trump's bill, obviously. I'm just wondering. Yeah, um, and in fact, that there's a, there's a whole school of belief that Trump's success was down to meme magic, and and it was yeah. all involved Pepe the Frog and meme mm. magic, and Russian of, magic, and all yeah. of these occultists. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes, I think they probably had a lot more yeah. to do with it. Um, but yeah, uh, so yeah, you you could, and you you could yeah. do witchcraft in all kinds well, of I just really don't wanna, clever I, ways. I don't want to um, conjure up sort of the wrong spells is what I'm getting at. Yeah. Uh, I don't want Godzilla to come crashing down the main street of Howick or something, do I? Well, you know, it, it's not like you don't know somebody that you could consult on these things. That's you know, true. If there was something that you wanted to do, <laughs> come, come and talk to me. And, and now's I'll the time because there's it. hardly any traffic. This is true. And yeah. so Godzilla probably wouldn't do that much. Well, no one would notice he was here because they're all at home. That's true. That's true. But that doesn't he normally come from the city? And uh, yeah, from Japan, why yeah. I understand, yeah. So for probably some around the Fukushima nuclear plant, I would oh, suspect. Oh, gosh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's radioactive, right? Well, he's That's a right. Pro- product a mutant. Of, That's right. He's a mutant. <laughs> right, we'll come to the end. Uh, Occam's Razor episode 30-something. I think it's 38. It might be 39. Don't hold me on that. Uh, Karen Tibbetts-Williams has been here from Haunted NZ. Um, we're going to leave you with Witchy Woman because that was Karen's request. Uh, that's by the Eagles, isn't it? It is. Witchy Woman. I've got it here. Now, I've got the remastered version, so hopefully that'll sound pretty good. Sounds great. East FM at 8.1, 107.1. Thanks for coming in, Karen. Thank you very much, Jim. Lovely to be here. And we'll see everyone next time. Oops.